Sensible chat. Budgeting made easy. Really easy. Welcome to Sensible Chat with your host, Sensible Bobby, the show that's all about budgeting, smart spending, and saving. On this episode, Sensible Bobby's going to delve into some ideas about managing your side hustle money. Then, during Sensible University, she's going to talk to Tom Antion, host of the Screw the Commute podcast, who's going to share some great ideas to get you out of the 9 to 5 rut by creating multiple income streams, tips to live within your means, and so much more. But first, here's the boss of budgeting, the maven of money. It's Sensible Bobby. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. And I am proud to be the certified budgeting geek. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today for this episode of Sensible Chat. Now, of course, we usually talk budgeting on this podcast, but sometimes even when you're making the most of the money you have, it's just not enough, either because you're not making enough to cover all of your expenses or because you just want to hit your financial goals faster. That's when increasing your income comes into play. You can do this through side hustles, a raise, overtime, starting your own business, or creating multiple income streams. And of course, we're going to talk a lot more about that with Tom Antion in just a few minutes. But however you decide to increase your income, I want you to think carefully about why you're doing it and create a plan for the money. If you don't, it's very easy to fall into the trap of working yourself to death, but not having anything to show for it. Lifestyle creep strikes again. Picture it. You've just put in a 12-hour day and you're too tired to cook, so you pick up dinner on the way home. Before you started earning more money, this wasn't in the budget, but you've got more to spare now, so why not? Little things become big things and they add up fast. Pretty soon you're working twice as much, but there's still not enough money. Remember, when you're working, you're trading time for money, time you could be spending with your family, friends, or just doing the things you love enjoying life. So if you're going to take time away from those things for the sake of money, be sure you have a specific plan for how to use that money. For me, focusing on one goal at a time works best, whether that's paying off a credit card, building your emergency fund, saving for a car, whatever. You'll reach your goal faster and stress less in the process if you focus on one at a time. Now you may be thinking, great, I'll throw all the additional money toward my current goal. Do a little math and you've got a date for hitting that goal, right? But wait, you still need to consider additional expenses that could arise from the extra work before you take it on because you might find out that you're actually losing money or not making anywhere near what you expected. So here are some questions to ask yourself. Number one, will I be driving more? If you will, this is going to mean additional gas, extra wear and tear on the car, and maybe more frequent maintenance. Your auto insurance premium could also go up. Number two, will I need new clothes, shoes, supplies, accessories, licenses, equipment, subscriptions, or anything else that could be a one-time or ongoing expense? Number three, will I have to pay for childcare? These are just a few things to consider before making your final decision. And if you're starting your own business, you could have many other costs to think about. If you do decide that increasing your income will be beneficial, start thinking about your plan for that money. The first thing you need to do is figure out how much you'll have after accounting for the additional expenses and, of course, taxes. Now, remember, if you're working for yourself, you're responsible for your own taxes. 
In order to avoid a big bill you can't pay on April 15th, you might want to figure out your tax bracket and save a percentage of everything you make. This way, when tax time rolls around, you can just write the check. No stress. The cool thing about doing this is that typically you're going to save too much. If you're in a 15% tax bracket and saving 15% of everything you make, you may not owe the entire amount because of credits, deductions, and write-offs. So when tax time comes around, you're not only ready to pay what you owe, but you could end up with some unexpected money that can be redirected towards your other financial goals. This is why I love tax time. Now, with the taxes accounted for, we can move on to the reason you want or need to increase your income. If you're using the additional income to cover basic expenses, figure out how much you need for that. If there's anything left over, think about your next goal. If you can cover your next goal completely and still have money left, go on to goal number three and so on until every penny of your additional income is accounted for, even if one of those goals is a little extra spending money. See, what you do with the additional income is completely up to you, and it should match your lifestyle goals. You just want to make sure that you're being deliberate about it, not just spending without thinking and regretting it later. The biggest reason to be deliberate about how you spend this money is that if you're taking on a side hustle in addition to a full-time job, there's a good chance you could burn out in a short period of time. Many people do, because you're giving up a lot of what used to be your free time. So you need to think about whether you want to do it indefinitely or just as long as it takes to reach your goals. For instance, if you're trying to pay off debt, do the math and figure out how long it's going to take. That way, if you do begin to experience burnout, you can look to your end date as the light at the end of the tunnel. It may keep you going to know that this is not forever. It's a sprint, not a marathon. But if you reach your goal and haven't burned out, you can consider whether to keep going long enough to reach your next goal. You may also find out that you love your side hustle and want to make it into a full-time job or your own business. If that's the case, your number one goal should be to put enough money aside to make it through the transition if your income should slide in the process. Whatever you decide, the mindset of controlling your money instead of letting it control you gives you the power to plan for your better life. If you know what you want and you know what you currently have to work with, simple math will tell you how to get there financially. And once you have a handle on that, it's much easier to make a realistic plan and follow through with it. That's budgeting. And if you're doing work that creates multiple income streams, you could eventually find yourself working less on a certain project, but still getting paid for it. But I'm going to let our guest tell you more about that. Okay, class. Sensible University is now in session. Today's guest professor is Tom Antion, host of the Screw the Commute podcast. Tom has never had a job, and he's proud of it. He's an internet millionaire, guy next door, and founder of the only licensed, dedicated internet marketing school in the country. He's the subject of a Hollywood documentary titled The American Entrepreneur, premiering later this year. Tom, thanks for being our guest professor today. Oh, I'm a professor. Oh, wow. I didn't know I was going to be a professor. (laughs) I got to tell you, I love the name of your podcast, Screw the Commute. Why did you pick that name? Well, I I haven't had a job, maybe a a little bit in high school and a little bit at the beginning of college. So I have made my own way ever since. And uh, a lot of years, a lot of businesses, but never actually had a job. I mean, the job that I had was as weird as you can get. 
And, you know, I know this is not an explicit show, so I'll just be careful about it. But I actually started out as a hooker in Pittsburgh. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I got a job in the summer at U.S. Steelworks. A homestead works where they had these big overhead cranes and you had one guy's on the end of a beam and the other's on the end of a beam and you had to hook the crane on. Oh. And so the job was called a hooker. But I started out as a hooker in Pittsburgh. Nice. Gotta love that. I guess that would drive anybody to work for themselves, right? <laughs> yeah, if they saw me, I don't think they'd pay a lot for me. That's for sure. I was listening to one of your episodes and you were talking about creating multiple income streams and mm-hmm. how that can work as an insurance policy. What do you mean by that? Well, a year ago, I was in a hunting accident and it would have been a great story had I gotten shot, oh. but I didn't. I just <laughs> Thank God. fell on a log and I <laughs> perforated my intestines and, oh. and they're jagging me out of the woods in a blizzard, 13 inches of snow, and I'm screaming like a baby. And the, the worst part about it, though, absolute worst part, was that I swear I could hear a bunch of deer laughing <laughs> as they were dragging me out. Nice. But the thing was, is I went right into emergency surgery, intensive care for a week, but I still had money coming in because wow. of all these, what we call VRE or virtual real estate, where you don't have to go to a bank and beg and kiss butt to get a mortgage for, I mean, we can create world-class websites for a hundred, $150. So having a lot of these things working for you in advance when life gets in the way, the money keeps coming in. And I took off three months several years ago to go take care of my mother. I'm the baby of six boys and I was the only one that did a darn thing to help her. And we had to move her out of our family home after 50 years. And, you know, that's very traumatic for an older person. So I was up there three months doing all this stuff, finding a safe place for her and handling the house. And I came back and, you know, we had, you know, a January 190,000, a February 140,000, you know, so uh, most of my friends said, Hey, if we'd have taken off three months, we'd have been bankrupt and lost our house. You know, so this is what I call an insurance policy. When life gets in the way, if you build these online entities at high profit, I might add, the digital revolution is really treating us well because the things that I sell and that a lot of people sell are 97% profit. You know, what business is 97% profit? You know, so I call it an insurance policy. If you have multiple things of these going, you can take care of yourself when that uh, life decides to hit you in the face with a two by four. And it will hit all of us at one time or another in some That's way. That's for sure. Um, Myself wow. included, multiple times. Yeah, such a great peace of mind. And this is the same idea as passive income, right? Yeah, it's somewhat passive, but I I don't really love that term because it appears that there's no work involved. And I'm not a big fan of the movie, The Secret and, you know, just telling people, and I've heard you talk about someone quoted, you know, a goal is a dream with action to it. Right. Right. So I don't really like that term. It does work for me, but I want people to know they have to work. And this is one thing I open many of my speeches with work, get paid, 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 paid forever. But you can't leave that first work out or you're just a dreamer. So building these things, you know, it's a lot of the web people keep it. Ooh, it's so difficult. You have to pay us tens of thousands of dollars to figure it out. Well, yeah, there's a lot to learn about it. But the more you can learn, I mean, literally, you can create world class websites for $150. And that's not any kind of BS hocus pocus. It's just knowing what to do. And that's basically a WordPress website 
with a hundred to one hundred and fifty dollar theme on it. That's kind of like the paint job on a car. What does it look like? Right. And responsive means it looks good on cell phones. You know, if you can put that together, oh my goodness, you can open up the world for yourself. And one of the things I teach uh, is the, how to make your hobbies tax deductible. If you want to hear about that, I'll be glad. To- I think a lot of us would love that. Yeah. Well, yeah, because uh, most people, uh, their family interests and their children's soccer and all of these things, they pay through the nose and get no tax deduction for it. So if you put up a website about that topic, let's say you have your kids are in soccer and you got all the equipment and the travel to the things and sitting there for three hours while they kick the ball around and you got all these things that are taking time and expense. And of course you're going to do it for your kids, right? Sure. But if you put up an inexpensive website and you blog about your experience a little bit and you don't even have to create a product, there's a thing called affiliate products where someone else has created products about soccer and you put them on your website. And if somebody buys one, you get a commission. Well, by us standards, you're in business. Right. Right. And so there's many things you can take off and you have your kids tell about what they like and what they don't like about soccer and use them as models and the travel expenses and all these things are legitimately tax deductible. And I'm not a CPA or an attorney and I haven't played one on TV, but, <laughs> but the thing is I've had hundreds of them in my program over 20 some years. And they all say, absolutely. This is the best country in the world to be in business because everything I just said is totally legitimate, but people just say, oh, well, I got to pay my taxes and I hope to get a little return, but doesn't have to be that way. So these things seem so easy, but like the affiliate marketing thing that you were talking about, yeah, you can put a website up and, you know, even set up your own affiliates there and everything, enter those programs. But the bottom line is going to be that you need to drive traffic to your website. Otherwise, nobody's ever going to buy from that, right? Absolutely. And that's just a little different learning curve. But one of the best bargains on the face of the earth is YouTube. You know, we, we do a lot of paid traffic because... It's so difficult to get search engine positioning nowadays. I mean, I I was taught by the best of the best and I could get four to six places in the front page of the search engines, but that's long gone. I mean, it's just crazy. So paid traffic is the way to go, but one of the best bargains on earth, and I know everybody has seen this. There's not a person listening to this that hasn't seen this. You know, the ads on YouTube where you can click skip. Yeah. Those are called true view ads. And that means that if somebody clicks the skip button before 30 seconds, you don't pay anything. Wow. So you get a lot of branding and, you know, repetition is is important for sales. Sure. But the thing is, is there's many times I can get four cent views out of it. And that's one of the best bargains anywhere there is on the internet for paid traffic. And, you know, that's the second or third biggest search engine in the world. So. Yes, you can learn how to drive traffic very inexpensively, and that takes care of your traffic problem. And that's just one way out of many different ways you can drive traffic, but it doesn't have to be so crazy that you you know you have to mortgage your house. And I think you have a program that teaches all this kind of stuff. Is that right? Absolutely. I've been, uh, you know, I never planned on being any Mr. Hotshot Internet guru, but I mean, I've been on the commercial internet selling since 1994 when there was the commercial internet. And I got really good at it. Part of what I like to pass on to people when I do these interviews is when you strive for excellence in whatever you do, people notice and they ask you to help them. 
And so I got people were bugging me so much to help them. I couldn't get my own work done. So I created a program <laughs> where I could help them and it just went crazy. And then I, I came from a comic background, so I don't do anything like everybody else does. So people were saying, Oh, Tom, have a boot camp." And I said, ah, I can't just, everybody does boot camps." And I thought I'm sitting here on my rear end, making all this money in front of the computer. I'll call it butt camp. And, <laughs> and, and it caught on and I've done them in 11 countries around the world. It's, it's one of the top three longest ever internet seminars. Only in England, they made me call it bum camp instead of butt camp. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> so people started begging me. And then I'm sitting right now in the only facility of its kind in the world, a great internet marketing retreat center in Virginia Beach, where people actually come in from all over the world and stay in the house with me for an immersion weekend. And we have a year-long mentor program. And I also have the only licensed, dedicated internet marketing school in the country in Virginia Beach. And it's a distance learning school. So people from around the world can study there too. Very cool. How exciting. Yeah. And do you have a website where people can get information about that? Oh, I got all kinds. Yeah, the best thing <laughs> I mean, is I to see. go to screwthecommute.com and get on my podcast and it leads you to everything I got. Sure. And I, every Monday I do an in-depth training session on something that's made me or saved me a ton of money. And on Wednesdays and Fridays. Hey, maybe I'll get you on there one of these days. Oh, uh, that'd be great. Because we do great entrepreneurs on Wednesdays and Fridays. And then we have a youth program for anybody up to maybe early 20s where uh, we highlight a youth that's doing some great entrepreneurial thing. So that'll lead you to every kind of thing I got. That's awesome. So great to start early. And that leads right into the next question that I wanted to ask you because there's so many people who feel stuck in their jobs, right? And they'd love to work for themselves. But, you know, it's a big gamble to leave that consistent paycheck. And I know this is kind of a subjective question, answer, whatever, but what do you see as the middle ground between taking a calculated risk and just kind of throwing caution to the wind in a way that could completely put you in dire straits? Yeah. Oh, and I never promote anything like that. So, and this isn't a subjective thing to me. This is a very, very specific thing where my goal when I work with somebody, listen to this, Bobby, is to make it too expensive for them to go to work anymore. Wow. I love that. Because you can start these things on the side, you know, the latest buzzword is side hustle. But I mean, for almost nothing, you can start these entities on the side nurture them in your spare time and get them profitable and then do it again, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And you can do it on multiple topics. Like I said, you could do it for your kids, for their soccer. You could do it for golf. If you like golf and have to justify to your spouse why you just bought a $400 driver. <laughs> so, so then when you get enough of these going where you're sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, if I go to work today, I mean, I could be building another website. I could be making another product. I could be getting an affiliate relationship. When you start thinking like that, that you're wasting your time going to work because all these other things are making money, there's your decision right yeah. there. It's not any hard thing and it's not risky because like I said, you got multiple things going. So if one of them fails and, and I've gone through a massive failure in my I had a nightclub where I lost 400,000 bucks yeah. just from one legislative swipe of the pen, raised the drinking age from 18 to 21. I'll so <laughs> but that's all I had at the time. So I learned a hard lesson there. But with these internet entities, you can have these virtual real estate things and all kinds of topics going all over the place as a side hustle. And then when it gets too expensive to go to work, 
That's your last day. Wow. That's amazing. And what an amazing story. Yeah, I guess that would be a real big decision maker. You know, if you just had the nightclub that was going gangbusters, I assume, before that, and then you lose all this money and you've got nothing. And certainly you never want to feel that again. That was a nasty, rotten business, too. I mean, uh, you know, I was in gunfights and knife fights, bikers trying to kill me. Wow. I was actually lucky that I got put out of business rather than carried out of the body bag. <laughs> so, so, and that's one, another lesson is some of the lowest points of your life are the impetus for some of the greatest things you'll ever do. I told you I came from a comic background when I got knocked out of the nightclub business and I got injured. Some partner had canceled our health insurance, didn't tell me. In 1986 to 88, I was sleeping on the floor of a vacant house, torn Achilles tendon no health insurance, surrounding myself with humor books to try to keep my spirits up. And I'm watching Candid Camera on television, on a black and white TV. <laughs> You're probably not even old enough to have heard of one, let alone seen one. No, I've seen one. Thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm watching Candid Camera and I got the idea for a practical joke company. You know, us entrepreneurs will do anything to get out of working. For them, you know? so, <laughs> right. So I thought, you know, whatever I do next, I'm going to have fun myself and the people are going to have fun, not the misery of the drunks at the bar and the bikers trying to kill you. So I went to Washington, D.C. and starved to death for six months, eating chicken dogs and doing whatever I could to get this practical joke business off the ground. But anyway, that idea came from the lowest point of my life. I was Mr. Big Shot around the whole state. And then I'm a nobody laying on the floor of a vacant house. All right. So by keeping your spirits up and keeping humor in your life and around you, it will allow your mind to work and bring in things that can change your life. So anyway, I was six months there starving to death. And I was doing these crazy acts like over the hill preacher where I go in if you're 30 or 40 and do a sermon and it's crazy stuff. And the Washington Times did a feature article on it. I started getting a lot of calls. Then the Washington Post picked it up, got a lot of calls. And then Associated Press picked it up. And I was doing radio and TV all around the world of this crazy business. I had 35 characters working for me. I was making 100000 a year in the early 80s, just writing humor and just doing fun stuff. And that eventually led me into the speaking business, into the internet business. And again, anything to avoid working for a living. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, it sounds like it's worked very well for you. And actually, in the midst of all the turmoil that you were going through after you lost the nightclub, I read that you you know, were at a point where you lost everything. And instead of filing for bankruptcy, you chose to pay off all of your creditors. What right. compelled you to make that decision? Well, I, you know, I had a very solid upbringing. My dad came from Syria on a cattle boat in the early 1900s. In fact, they're making a documentary about my life and my dad's life and him coming and being an entrepreneur and making me into an entrepreneur. But it was drummed into us that you treated people right. You know, those people that fronted me money and fronted me beer and pizza supplies and all this stuff that I had to have, it wasn't their fault that, you know, something happened to me and I, I couldn't walk away and screw over all those people. And so I went to all of them immediately. You know, you don't wait till people are chasing you around right. and then try to make deals. You know, it's just terrible. So I went to them instantly and I said, look, this is what happened to me. You guys know me for years. If you give me a chance, I'll pay off everything I owe you. I'm not taking any more credit from you or anything. And every single one of them said yes. And I winterized the business. I went to the bank to give the keys back after cleaning the place perfectly. And they said, oh, Tom, you know, 
wasn't your fault. I mean, you were, I worked seven days a week for six straight years building that up. I was going to be a millionaire for his 30 and it all went down the tubes, but that didn't mean I had to go down the tube. That didn't mean I had to change my upbringing and my care and respect for people. There's nothing wrong with bankruptcy. It's an important thing in our country. I get that, but I didn't have to do it. Uh, I did what I did and I was proud of it. And I could go to any one of those people of this day and they would remember it because nobody does that. Yeah, indeed. And that shows a lot of integrity. And certainly it's such a great lesson that you said that you went to them all immediately because I, from my own experience, learned the hard way that it is way better to go to them rather mm-hmm. than running from them. I myself ran from things when I was oh. younger because I didn't understand how they worked. I didn't think that anybody would even care what my situation is and that they would just come after me. And so I just ran from it and I made things four times as bad as they yeah. had to be. It would have yeah. been very easy to just take care of it then and move on. So that's a great lesson that I hope people who haven't experienced that yet hear that it's always better to go to them instead of waiting for them to come to you. Yeah, because a lot of people, this generation coming up is coined as being very entrepreneurial, but you know, there's certain skills that are old school, yeah. you know, treat people right, right, be on time, go and own up to your mistakes and you know, do all that stuff that's not quite being emphasized nowadays. Absolutely. So let's talk about what the biggest struggles that you faced were during this time when you were trying to pay off all this debt at a time when you had just lost everything. Well, you know, of course there was money issues, but the thing was, I didn't feel stress. I didn't feel struggles. I felt just like my dad had taught me, Hey, this isn't anything special. This is what you should be doing. And this is what you do. And you keep looking to the future. So, you know, of course, you know, I'm laying there injured. Mr. Big Shot turned into Mr. Nobody, you know, at least as the looks of it. You know, I didn't feel that way inside. I felt like, oh, I've got to look forward. In fact, people ask me what I did yesterday. Like, I'm sounding like a liar because I can't remember. I'm always looking forward and saying, okay, what do I do? What do I have to do to climb out of this? And I think one of the things we wanted to talk about was how a multimillionaire Thinks compared to a regular, a regular person that's yeah. not gained that yet. And, and one of the things I even drum into my employees and anybody I meet when they say something like, oh, I can't afford that. Or even worse, they say, oh, I could never afford that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold up. Stop right there. Here's what I want you to think. What would I have to do to afford that. Right. <laughs> okay. Now I heard you. Now I, I got to admit, you're Miss self-described budgeting geek. I listened to some <laughs> of your stuff and I, I'm just like, yeah, and this is just a good example of how people can do things different ways and still be successful. Because to me, all that telling me that budgeting was fun. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, am I back in school with nails on the chalkboard? What is she talking about? Uh, right. What am I getting myself into talking to this lady? <laughs> so, but I, I listened, I listened, I listened, and I said, well, you know what? We're kind of saying the same things in different ways. Although all the time that you enjoy in budgeting and looking at the numbers and stuff, I've taken that same amount of time and said, okay, I'm going to create a vehicle to make more money instead of just budgeting what I have. Sure. So that's just minor differences, but it really, there's no ceiling to what you can make in this atmosphere, in this country. So uh, that's what I choose to look at. I'm terrible at being counted. You, if you saw, <laughs> if you saw my stuff, you'd say, oh my God, I can't believe I had that guy on the show. No. <laughs> so, 
There's always a ton of different ways to look at things. And that's why I like talking to other people to find out what works for them, because certainly the same things don't always work for different people. But in that vein, then how do you go about making sure that all of the money that you work so hard to make doesn't flow out? Because, you know, we always hear about celebrities and, and people who won the lottery and things like that, and they get this big pool of money, but they're broke in two years. Mm-hmm. So well, that obviously isn't the case for you. So tell me how you go about managing that. That was pretty easy for me. I don't do any stocks other than I I guess the 401k thing technically is tied to some stocks somewhere. I don't know. But, but, <laughs> but it was easy for me because I grew up very frugal. I grew up with a dad that came on a cattle boat with no shoes and three years old in the dung-filled steerage section of a boat and grew up, you know, shining shoes, head of household at 10 years old. He had put the first electric light bulb in Carnegie, Pennsylvania. Wow. By 13, he had his own electrical contracting firm in the early 1900s. So I grew up very frugal. So he brought that to me. I mean, to this day, I can't brush my teeth and let the water run because I hear my dad saying, don't waste water. We had 13 wells on our property, right? So (laughs) don't waste water. Don't waste things. And and then (laughs) this is kind of crazy. I had already hit it pretty big in Washington, D.C. And I I go home to our little two-horse town in Western Pennsylvania and and uh, I'm driving this big Mercedes sedan. And my mother's always wanting to go to thrift stores and Salvation Army. Stuff. Okay, mom, I'll take it. So I pull up to the thrift store in this big Mercedes sedan. And my mother's in there shopping. And I hear her arguing with the lady at the counter because this 25-cent blouse had a stain on it. She wanted it for 15 cents. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my God, I've got to crawl under the car. So that's what I grew up with is frugal. Now, I'm not cheap by any means, but I don't waste things. For instance, the other day, we... I have 30 dogs here right at this moment, by the way. We have wow. a protection dog company and my trainers are staying with me till they get their house finished and they're, they've raised Pomeranians and Chihuahuas. So it's 30 dogs here. But So I saw this crate for the dogs and it was $147 on Amazon. But I found it on one of these buying apps. Like I use OfferUp and I use LetGo and I use Facebook Marketplace. And I found one for 40 bucks. And so the trainer's saying, well, you know, just buy it on Amazon. You know, you don't want to drive over there and, you know, for a hundred bucks, they'll stick it right to your door. And I'm thinking $107, I'm going to save just to drive 15 minutes and pick this up. And I again, we had a flea market. I love bargains and deals. And so I went and got it for 40 bucks. <laughs> so this is the way I kind of live. I mean, I got this fantastic house and everything, but that's more of an investment kind of thing. Sure. But I don't blow money on things. So I don't necessarily do any kind of budget because when you're working at 97% gross profit in our digital age here, you can make a lot of mistakes and still get by. Now, I'm not telling people not to do what you tell them, all right? I'm just saying this is the way I've kind of lived my life. No, no, Uh, no. Be frugal on one hand and sell high profit stuff on the other and you can make a lot of mess ups and still come out good. That's a fantastic mix because (laughs) the whole thing about budgeting in my eyes is just kind of, it's a different mindset, right? So a big part of it is that whole frugal mindset. And if you're already in the mindset that you don't spend above what you earn, you know, and you know the quality of what you need and you know how to make sure that you have enough for later on, like you said, the multiple income streams and things like that, then, hey, you know, you don't have to watch every penny and everything like that. And everybody's situation is 
different, but it really goes back to the mindset. And I think that, again, that's a big difference between a millionaire mindset and a poor person's mindset, or even somebody who's just always struggling with money. And that is kind of a quality versus, because people think of frugal as being cheap, and that's not really the case. I mean, you just said, even as a multimillionaire, you're willing to save that hundred bucks and drive 15 minutes rather than just saying, oh, I've got all the money in the world. I'll just go on Amazon and make it easy. Right. Right. I mean, I have a, one of my vehicles is a 2002 Dodge Ram pickup truck and everybody's saying, why don't you get rid of that? Get a new one. Why? It's got 30,000 miles on it and it's old, but I take care of it. My dad also taught me, take care of your stuff. So it's perfect condition. 2002. I don't care. You know, so I got other vehicles that I haul the dogs around in and stuff, but, you know, getting caught up with the Jones and stuff will kill a lot of people too, where, you know, I stay away from the Jones. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why you're a millionaire. (laughs) Yeah. Let them pay 30% interest on crap. That's such an important mindset. And I'm so glad that you shared that all with us because there's certain things, you know, I've, I've watched my grandparents get to the point where they were, you know, hanging up paper towels after they used them and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not willing to go that far, (laughs) but certainly, you know, I've learned the difference and, and also there's a difference in quality, right? Because I think the other thing that's important is I've been reading about this a lot, the difference in the thinking. And it seems like millionaires think much more about the quality of what they're buying rather than just the price. Because sometimes if you buy cheap, you're going to get cheap too, right? Yeah, you'll spend way more in the long run if you buy junk, that's for sure. But everything that you buy doesn't need to be super high quality. You know, like the pee pads we buy for the dogs. Right. I think, you know, I'm not sure if I've done any real deep testing on them, (laughs) but but the the dogs seem to like them. So that's good enough. I'm going to buy the cheapest ones I can, you know, but on the crate, I bought a real solid, good crate because that's going to last for years and years and years. So you have to also be able to discern where do you need to buy quality and where can you just get something to get by that's perfect that gets the job done. And of course, you know, that can be a lifelong learning experience for people, but you have to be in the mindset to give that consideration. That's the most important thing, I think. Yeah, for sure. And you'll get better at that as you go when you start paying attention to it. But there's some people that get wrapped up with keeping up with the Joneses and have to buy the best of everything, regardless of how the they've got to put it on credit cards and pay for it to just keep their looks up. But yeah, I don't fall into that. The more powerful people don't feel like that. If you saw the way I dressed, I mean, I couldn't even get dressed if it wasn't for George Foreman selling crap on eBay you know, <laughs> because he has a stretch waistband. I thought that's perfect. That'll last me for three or four binges and diets. You know? so. Right. Well, wow. Thanks so much. Great information that you've given us. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? Well, I didn't even get warmed up yet, but yeah, I mean, really think about the thing about making your hobbies tax deductible, learn the basics of having an online business legitimately. And there's so many scams out there. That's why I developed this show called Scam Brigade out in Hollywood. that's still in development to go after the bad people in the world, but there's legitimate stuff. I mean, people will say, well, it's all scams. Well, you just bought something online and got it. So it's not all scams, but you do have to discern what is and what isn't. Get good training. And it doesn't have to cost a lot to make this insurance policy for your family. It's a lot of fun. You can get your kids involved. I mean, I saw this cartoon once where this kid's talking to his dad and he says, hey, if you uh, raise my allowance, 
I'll give you unlimited in-house tech support. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love that. You know, so it's something you can get your kids involved, teach them entrepreneurship. I mean, there's no 30-year gold watches anymore. These yeah. kids are coming into a whole different world. Right. And so uh, they need to learn how to be able to make their own way, give value, and get rewarded for it. So get involved in some type of online business and you'll have plenty of sensible stuff to beam count like you do. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, thank you so much. That's really great information. And uh, if people want to get more, certainly they can go to screwthecommute.com, find out all about you and all the different things you're doing and listen to the podcast, of course. Yeah. And uh, I need to find out where to get a cheap producer like you got. How do you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Very well. Do I have to get married to yeah. somebody to do it? Oh, okay. My husband yeah. is a great producer, let me tell you. <laughs> Tom, so, thanks again so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Thank you to our guest professor, Tom Antion, host of the Screw the Commute podcast. You can learn more about his internet marketing school, the new documentary, The American Entrepreneur, and his podcast at screwthecommute.com. Great info from Tom Antion, and I've got to tell you, on top of everything I learned from him in this interview, I've learned a ton more listening to his Screw the Commute podcast. Definitely worth checking out. And I must shamelessly plug episode 137 of his podcast because I'm his guest. (laughs) It's my first time being on the other side of the mic as the guest, and he made it lots of fun, so I hope you'll give a listen. You can go to screwthecommute.com, and there's also a link on our new media page at sensiblechat.com. Also, if you haven't done so already, check out the new coaching page on the website. My structure is in place, and I'm looking for beta clients. If you're interested, check it out at sensiblechat.com coaching. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Sensible Chat. If you haven't done so already, like the Sensible Chat page on Facebook. And if you're enjoying this podcast, I hope you'll take a minute to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Until next time, keep spending and saving the sensible way. That wraps up another episode of Sensible Chat with your host, Sensible Bobby. If you need help with your budget or want to share your thoughts, reach out to her through the contact page at sensiblechat.com. While you're there, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Oh, 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 oh,